What's good, everyone? It's Cheats here from the Black Baseball Mixtape. I want to take a moment, like I do at the top of every podcast, to thank you for your support. Last podcast episode, cracked the top 150. The episode before that, cracked the top 100. I'm very confident to tell everyone that's listening, we have the fastest-growing baseball podcast dedicated to black culture in the sport. It's not the biggest podcast. If you're in listening now and you've been listening You are still on the front end of a podcast that gets bigger and bigger every week and every month, and we couldn't do it without your support. What I need from you, as I always ask, is please rate, review, share this podcast episode. Brandon Watson is a fantastic guest. This is going to be a fantastic podcast all about talent, meeting opportunity, and perseverance, and all the things that Brandon is doing whether it was on the field or in his entrepreneurial pursuits as he's doing right now. So you're going to love this podcast episode. Please rate it, review it, and share it around. One thing people have asked me about the Black Baseball Mixtape t-shirts, they are not for wide distribution just yet. We're in the middle of our first friends and family release. If you really want a Black Baseball Mixtape t-shirt, and I hope you do, please DM me. I'll get you on the friends and family list. It's really, really exciting. If not, you can wait a couple weeks when they're distributed widely as well. With no further ado, really great podcast, really great conversation. Brandon Watson, Players Alliance, former MLB player, always, always on the scene. He is big, big time into boxing with his family as well. You've probably seen him there, but it's an amazing conversation. With no further ado, Brandon Watson. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Cheats. As always, the mixtape is brought to you. Actually, there's a change. We just struck our deal with Stilo Distribution. Shout out to the squad. Shout out to everyone over there. So this podcast is brought to you and it will be distributed on the Black Baseball Mixtape. Everywhere podcasts are available and our good friends over at Stilo. And joining me today, man, I got a very, very special guest. I'm excited for you to hear this journey. I'm excited for you to hear everything this brother has to say. But if you're looking live, if you're looking on YouTube, you're going to say, I've seen this brother before. And I don't exactly know where I've seen him before, but I've seen this brother before. He's got a highly recognizable face, but probably not as much of you understanding the journey. My good brother, former professional baseball player. You see him everywhere. Brandon Watson, B. Watt, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Chief. Thanks for having me on. Man, welcome to the mixtape. And I'm going to start with that. How many people stop you and say, (laughs) man, I've seen you before, but I don't know where. And more than likely, they've seen you in the middle of a squared circle boxing (laughs) event with all these things that you're doing right now. But how many times uh, when you're out in public do you get stopped? Oh, man. So I get stopped a lot for sure. But I have a a brother, a younger brother, and – you know, he gets stopped, we get stopped a lot, but uh, they think that we're twins. Right, so, right. We just, we just roll with it and be like, all right, they'd be like, twin, twin. <laughs> but we get stopped all the time. I mean, it's we've been around for a minute doing the boxing stuff with, with my dad and, and Al. And, uh, you know, just it comes with the territory. 
And for those of you who don't know, I'm talking to Brandon Watson. He's he's referring to his not twin but younger brother, right? Uh, Marcus <laughs> yeah. as well. But again, a lot of people today, especially uh, kind of currently, will know you as someone that is uh, working uh, pro- professional boxing. It's something that I know you and your family worked for a long time. So before we get into your baseball journey, which we're going to get into, tell a little bit about exactly what Brandon Watson does in the sport of boxing, because everybody sees you, but I don't think yeah. everybody understands what uh, management structure, what, what you're doing and how you go about, how are you the guy that's yeah. always in the ring? <laughs> so basically, man, you know, you, you have a career of, of your, you know, baseball was my career. So that's what I wanted to do. That's what I did. And we'll, like you said, we'll get into that. But after baseball, um, you have to transition and you have to figure it out because, you know, sport is over and you, you go, you know, go on with life. So I was fortunate to have a father that has, you know, great networking and been around everybody from since we were little kids. And he, um, he has a best friend by the name of Al Heyman, who's mm-hmm. one of the most successful business, black businessmen in the world of all time, actually. And, um, you know, they were doing concerts and they switched over to boxing right when I got drafted um, in like 2000, I got drafted in 99. So 2000, 2000, like right, you know, right around that time. And as I was playing, I still was helping the company you know, doing whatever they needed mm-hmm. to be done. But after I finished playing, that's when I took on a, a bigger role and I started to actually work for the company and, and do things. So we've been in the ring longer than we've been working, if that makes sense. So we were, we were just, I was just, well, I'm sorry. I was helping. My brother took, he, he was working. Right out he, was of, working. he started right out of high school. Yeah. He, he went on tour and then he went straight into the box and it was working the whole time. And but, uh, B, so, yeah. so if somebody asks you, this is the, this is the million dollar question now. <laughs> If someone asks you, what does Brandon Watson do? What does what yeah. does what's the what's so, the business what's the business card say? Honestly, it just says entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> we got we I got a lot it. of stuff going it. on that we help out. Um, you know, your roles change as you know as the world changes. So at first, we were doing a lot of stuff with the fighters and and being with them day to day and and just helping them as fighters. But now we're kind of doing that, but we're also doing um, we help with the uh, finding sponsorships. We we help with selling tickets. We help with finding deals for the fighters to get money in their pockets for endorsements. Um, you know, so we do a lot of different things, but we we kind of just help out with the whole event as a whole and the whole situation. We work with Al. Al's our guy, and we <laughs> and my dad, him and my dad are you know whatever they ask. It, it doesn't matter what it is. We're gonna go figure it out. And the interesting thing is I, I got a chance to spend some time, meet you and spend some time with you in Seattle during the All-Star game. And uh, you were able, at that time, it wasn't boxing. You were you were obviously a very popular entertainer, guys taking the world by storm. But you were helping out, advising, guiding, if you will, in certain ways. Uh, famous comedian Lou Young, you were there with him. You you It's just not boxing. So I want people to understand that the portfolio is a little bit wider in regards to your entrepreneurial ventures. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had my career and I did all I could in baseball. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to keep keep it going, man. And, and one of the things that I love um, to do is just to help people. So me and my family, we, we like helping people. Um, we like breaking barriers, if you want to say. Um, we like doing things that 
maybe not as not as um, traditional, you know. So we we try to do our best, like I said, to put different people in different places that you probably wouldn't think that you would see, like a, a Lou Young or someone like that in 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 baseball um, mix-ups, because usually, usually it's a certain type of person that is is for that. So we we try to just keep the keep it fresh and we see what's going on and you know I don't you know I don't want to say but for the culture we 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 understand what's what's happening in the game and what it needs. So we're trying to like bridge that gap a little bit. And before we get into the last piece, before we really get into it, I gotta ask you, I see you repping the 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 players alliance polo right yeah. there. It looks very good on you. Um you. you have been a steady source of uh, resources and help and support through the Players Alliance to modern day players. A Players Alliance is something that didn't exist really well. You were playing when you're talking about getting drafted in '99, playing in 2000. We'll get into your 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 career and and obviously debuting with the Washington Nationals. But during all of that time, you didn't have a Players Alliance, yeah. and so the yeah. Players Alliance forms. I know some of your good friends, Edwin Jackson, CC Sabathia, Curtis Granderson, are all involved. They they all credit you as a person that has been vital, vital to uh, the growth and the and the process and, and all the things that the Players Alliance is doing. Talk to me a little bit about your relationship with the Players Alliance, how you got involved and why it's such an important mission. Yeah. So the Players Alliance, man, I'll be honest, I after after I finished my career, you know, you have a little you know, you feel some type of way when things don't go all the way right. But, you know, I'm a man and I, I I was able to look myself in the mirror after my career is over and just say, you know what? I did everything I could. I left it all on the field and it is what it is. But um, I took a, a break from baseball as far as like, you know, everybody's like, you need to get in. You're good with the kids. You're good. You know, you know, a lot of people, you need to do something. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm cool. I'm going to go help my dad and my family. Um, You know, and we're going to eat over here. Um, but when the Players Alliance came and with the George Floyd and everything happened and and they created this, it, it just it, it made me want to get back. You know, it, it made me want to help do this, you know, and I think that um, a lot of the guys, when they, they hear about it, they really take to it because we, we didn't have a name like the Players Alliance is the name and we have a logo and we have a mission and all this stuff. But back when we played, we just had guys that wanted to look out mm -hmm. for the younger guys or, you know, I, I mean, my godfather is Eric Davis, mm -hmm. you know, I'm named after him, Brandon, Eric Watson. So I've been around him and Daryl Strawberry my whole life. My dad raised him. So they started something called the program. You know, the program was at the most hoodest park in South central LA. It's called mm -hmm. Harbor park. They didn't have nets. They were all big leaders, but they didn't have nets and good white balls. They had, um, they did a workout and it's like they had trash cans so they would chuck and duck, you know, but they throw them bad in practice. No fences. You just hit the ball as far as you can, but you had Kenny Lofton, Frank Thomas, um, Gary Sheffield, like all those guys are out there and they're playing and working out at this park. But that just kind of showed me like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like all these guys are here and, and my dad would buy the chicken, all these millionaires and all these guys with money. My dad would buy the chicken and pizza and stuff, but that was his role. He wanted to do it, you know? So, it just showed you another way, like, that's kind of like what I feel like the Players' Alliance is. It's kind of going back in the community and helping the, the, the youth and helping people that look like me achieve whatever they're trying to achieve in the game of baseball.
That's fantastic. And life. life. Go ahead, sorry. No, it's 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 fantastic. You're playing a major role in it, and it and it is exciting. I mean, it's in a very short amount of time since you said since 2020, you started mm-hmm. to see how much not just working with the the minor league and major league players, but taking those players back into the community, uh, mm-hmm. equipping the future, giving them equipment, uh, giving them training, giving them just something where they can see big league yeah. players and see players getting to the next level. And I think you have to be able to visualize a lot of that before you can really achieve it. So, yeah, you, you make a good point. Sorry to cut you off, but oh. that's why I think it's important that we get to these, um, the, the youth like that, because if they can see it, then they can believe it. Like a lot of times you don't, be, you don't see it. So you can't believe it. And I think, um, that's what happened with me as a kid. My dad always can, kind of kept us in the right groups of people so we can understand that these people are normal mm. and they, they had an opportunity and they took advantage of the opportunity. And and that's what you have to do, you know, as a young man. You have to figure out what your niche is, whether it's baseball or not. But you see these guys are no different than you. They're at the same parks you play at and, and doing the same things you're doing, but they're just older. So. It, it, it helped me a lot tremendously when I was a kid to see that and feel it and touch it. And and then they would be on TV the next day and the world was going crazy. But I'm like, oh, that's just E.D. And they're like, how you know his name is E.D.? I'm like, because that's what his name is. You know, right. it wasn't Eric Davis, the Cincinnati Red or Daryl Strawberry, the New York Mets. It was Straw Baby and E.D. You know, and those are my uncles. Those are my godfather. Those, you know, it's just it, it just made crazy. it very much easier for me and my, you know, people around me. Cause I brought all my friends with me everywhere I went. So, well, let's go back there. Cause let's, let's, let's really get into it now because how did you grow up? How did you fall in love with the game of baseball? When did it start for you? How did it start? And, and where did it start in particular? Because like you said, you, you, you knew a lot of, a lot of people at a young age, they were doing a lot of things, but where, when did you realize like, Oh man, I really like doing this. So I, I would honestly say if I could remember, like, first moment I fell in love with baseball was probably, like, I'd say, like, three, two or three. My dad would say, like, probably younger, but two or three. They said I would walk around with a, a big red bat and hit people, um, you know. So I, like, I started out hitting people. My mom says I was two years old watching baseball games. But, I, you know, you don't really remember that kind of sure. stuff. Um but I was just an athlete, period. But baseball is what I really took to. But my dad would make it fun, um, like we were talking about earlier a little bit. Um, we had this long hallway, and he would throw the tennis ball off the wall in the house. And and he would make it like a play at the plate. You know, he would, mm-hmm. he's, my dad has a good voice. So he'd say, long throw to home. And I would run, and me and my brother would run and try to slide around his, his tag, and he would try to tag us out. <laughs> So it made us like have fun, but we were doing something that we were used later in life, you know? So that was kind of some, some of the fun times I had, like at two or three years old, running through the hallways and sliding and putting on our, our onesies and making sure that we slid and, you know, popped up and, and, you know, just putting on a show for whoever was there. So that was like a very early stage of my life where I remember doing something for baseball was just doing that. That's before I started playing on a like T-ball team and stuff like that. So now was your dad a baseball man? Yes. So my dad is a diehard baseball okay. man. Okay. Fan. He, he he never was a fan of a team, but he was always a fan of players. And okay. he, he, he tell you he loved Vince Scully when he was a kid. So he would listen mm-hmm. to Vince Scully 
the time Vince Scully said my name, my dad almost, uh, you know, he said that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a spring training game, but he said Brandon Watson. And my dad said, man, that was cool, man. Vince Scully said your name, you know. Um, but, yeah, so my dad, and he, he's the best baseball player I know when I was a kid, Word. especially. Like, oh, yeah. he was. So he, he, could, he, he was not just a fan. He could go. He could play. I, I put it like this. He's, he's 70 years old. He still can hit. Man. He's about to be 70 next year. Like softball, wow. he, they they played a lot of softball. So he started when I was young, and they just kept it going. It was a place called Holly Park where legends Man. are made. It was, it was amazing. He He's turning double plays, throwing the ball through his legs, and uh, talking smack. Uh, it, that's where you get your dog from is being in those uh, Holly Park rivalries. And, nice. You, know, you got you got guys showing up in limousines to play my dad in them. Are you kidding lose. me? Oh yeah, it, it was it was a good time. Holly Park was probably a very important part of my life. That's crazy. So when did you start? When we went from you know playing in the house, when did you start yeah. really getting into little leagues and playing? Where did you play? And you got to tell me about yeah. this experience. So we we started like I said, I moved to um, a place called Claremont, and it was predominantly white. Um, we were like the only black family, only a few black families around the neighborhood and around the community. Um, but I played baseball. I started T-ball at like six years old, five or six. Mm-hmm. And I just remember playing on this team and we were called the Blasters. They were a purple team. It's just a park, you know, a youth team. Yeah. It was no jerseys. They made up the name of the Blasters. And they, they put me at pitcher because I, I could catch and throw at that age pretty good. And, uh, I remember I caught the first ball that hit to me at the mound and I threw it to the first base and he missed it. I said, all right, you know, people miss the ball, you know? So I, same thing happened again. I threw it to first base. He missed it again. I said, okay, I don't think this guy needs to be at first base, but you know, that's not my decision. I then proceeded to never throw the ball to first base again. I would catch the ball and I would run and tag everybody. I, I mean, from second base to third base, wherever they were, I just ran around the field and I tagged everybody and I hit a home run every time I hit because the kids, they weren't ready. Like I was, I was watching games already. So you can see like in T-ball, the guys, um, they show you, you know, where they're going to hit the ball. So I would move on the mound to where they pointed their body and just be ready. So I kind of made a big splash that first year at like five or I think I was five or six. And then I, I, I stopped playing T-ball and I went up to the minors and uh, did the same thing. And I dominated. Um, I did pretty good for myself as a seven, eight year old in that mm. league. So I was playing with That's like nine funny. and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, so when did it get serious? When did the flip switch? Uh, obviously, I'm assuming it's around the high school time. Um, yeah. When did you kind of start looking at the game differently, start working differently, and start realizing, like, mm-hmm. hey, look, I I, I, yeah. I I, could be that dude. So I, I'll be honest, it, it it happened for me early, and and I'll, I'll send you my I, – I did, like, a little mini doc that I, I forgot to send it to you on my birthday. Oh, okay. when, I t- when I turned 35. We'll put, but we'll put the link yeah, in the bio. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely send it to you. Um, it, it happened, if you let my family tell you, it happened when I was a, a baby. You know, everybody just knew I was going to do that. I didn't know, but I, I I believe the real stuff started when we got we moved back to L.A. And I was 11 years old, played at this Little League called Sportsman Little League. And, you know, you see Little League World Series on TV. Yeah. So, you, you know, as a just kid, I, up. I, yeah. I watch, yeah, I watch it all the time as a kid. And I just remember the, the, 
the season was nice. It was fun to be around, you know, the urban community, black kids, Mexicans, black and brown, a few white kids. It was great. We, you know, felt like I was at home, right? But I really, really didn't know that we had an all-star team and a chance to go to the Little League World Series until they told me later in the season, like, look, we have, we got to win a couple of tournaments, but we can get it. We got a chance to go to the Little League World Series. Hmm. So I was so excited because that was one of my dreams as a kid. It was just be on TV, right? So I started making lineups. I'm talking about like I I made the All Star team before I even. I was like, okay, this team, <laughs> okay, this guy, yeah. So I'm making the lineups. I'm doing the positions. I'm starting pitcher, opening game. Like you know, my granddad was pretty cool, and he kept our stats for us during the mm-hmm. season. So he's like, all right, you hit this, you know. So we always was in tune with the game. I was teaching my little brother as we were going along. That was our thing. You know, um, keep keep your stats so you know what you're doing, right? So when we get to this all-star team, I mean, you couldn't have wrote it with a book how special it was. We were in Inglewood where the um, – you know where the forum is? I don't know, you know. If you're no, familiar no, I'm not as familiar with that. Okay, so Inglewood is where the, the where the Lakers, you know, yeah, showtime yeah. and all that. That's where it started. It's across the street from the forum. Yeah. It was a little place called Sportsman Little League. And, um, I mean, when I tell you the guys that played at this 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 park, I mean, a lot of them, our team, our, our Little League team, we played – when we were 11, we made we won the first tournament. We swept it. We won, you know, without losing. So we were like, okay, so we go and that's district. Then you have to go to sectional. So sectional is a little wider, you know, range of teams, but it's, you know, still L.A. And we ran into this team that had some guys that were like men. They were hitting home runs, and they beat us. We didn't, we didn't know what to do with them, right? So now we're in the loser's bracket. You have to beat that same team twice. Sure. So they were Culver City Little League. A lot of my – future friends was on this team right so we played them and when we played these kids we lost and then we we got back to the championship we beat them somehow the first game so now we got an all or nothing game and and this game was just amazing like it was down to the wire we won and you know i don't know if we walked off but we won the game it was a great game we go into divisional now divisional is the hardest uh, Thing of, out of all of them, even if you want to, the Western Regional, whoever wins divisional goes to Western Regional as the California rep, and that's usually who goes to the worst here, the West Coast. They, okay. they usually, you know, SoCal. So we we play in that um, that year, and we had a great chance. We were going to play against a team called Long Beach. Um, Sean Burroughs had been in the Little League World Series yeah. in 93 before the year before. So they were coming back as like, they were rock stars already. Yeah. He was a, he's a hero. He's a Little League World Series. Yeah, hero. He just hit a home run. Every time he swung, he warmed yeah. up from the back of the mound. He struck everybody out. He's amazing. <laughs> so we. And wound up playing we, pro. We, he wound up playing pro. Yeah. Oh yeah. I played yeah. against him. It was, yeah. yeah. He was with uh, Tampa yeah. Bay. Yeah. Um, so we were on a crash collision course because every time our games were so sold out, we would have like full stands, and we had all all black, real black people, like real, real black people. You know, we singing whoop, there it is when we win the game. So oh, your we, team, this 11-year-old team, is mostly all black, all black and Latino? Black and, uh, I believe it was only black that year and black and okay. brown the next year. That's yeah. crazy. What a crazy story. Oh, yeah. And we're going, we're going along. We're, I mean, literally in the stands singing whoop, there it is. Yeah. When you beat, that was the biggest song in 93. Yeah, oh, trust me. The, I, we know. Oh, it, we was, know. It, it was, it was, it was amazing. But our fans are crazy into the game. But we, we had the whole city behind us. I mean, we're selling out games like we were rock stars, right? So we go to this tournament in Divisional and 
first game we won. So we like, yeah, we here to, you know, we're putting our foot mm-hmm. down. We're here. The next game we faced this team. And when our, I think our pitcher got hurt or something or didn't, he didn't want to throw. So I had to pitch. But I was like the third or fourth pitcher. I wasn't supposed to pitch. I'm a shortstop second baseman. I'm I'm a hitter, right? So I threw a curveball. And this guy, his name was Kevin Howard. He Kevin Howard ended up making it to the league too. Okay. You know, minors and I, I don't know if he made majors, but he was in the in professional baseball. I threw him a fastball. Boom, he hit it over over the over way out of here, right? Home run. I said, wow, I'm gonna throw my curveball because I got a good curveball. Next pitch, whoop, threw a curveball. He hit it over the tree, over the scoreboard. They called me Scoreboard Watson because he hit me out the park, right? <laughs> we lost that game. It's okay. We're still in the tournament. That's hilarious. Long Beach lost two that okay. same day. So we're going to play them. We got to win one game. They got to win one game. And and Sean Burroughs was pitching that game, and everybody knew if you are going to beat him, it was when he wasn't on the mound. So long story short, we were winning the game. Well, we were in a good game, and we had a play at the plate. And the umpire goes, out, safe. No, safe, out. I'm sorry. Safe and then out. Usually it's out then safe. You know, you see the tag and you mm. drop the ball or something. You're safe and then I mean, you're out and then you're safe. Mm. This guy said, safe, out. He, he changed it. Whatever it was, he changed the call in the middle of the play. And it was blatant. It was terrible. But it cost us the game. It was the worst oh, feeling of my life. Oh, we lost on man. that play. It was like a walk-off win we would have had or something. Oh. The third out, we would have been all right, and we lost the play. Man. But we noticed when we looked back that the umpire started to cheat. And it was like, damn, they were calling stuff different, yeah. than, and they, they involved the kids. And it was bad. We were sad, and we didn't make it. Um, And then the next day, the next time, that team played against Long Beach. We never got to play Long Beach. And then when we got the Long Beach got to the World Series that year, they were singing whoops there it is <laughs> what an amazing experience was, was, all the way yeah. around though this was 11 yeah. years old what an amazing experience to play not only oh, like yeah. kids won't not only to make it as far as you may but to have that support like the community oh, yeah. support selling out games at 11 years oh, old yeah. it was, it was and then on top of that being able to play with players that looked like you that related to you oh, their yeah. families related to you that's got to be when you look back on it now, because I we're going to get into it. And I'm sure the higher levels you get, you never probably have that experience again, where it was an all black yeah, team yeah. crowd. Not, not, fans. Well, see, yeah, we did. I mean, not when I turned pro, but when we did high school, it was the same group of guys. OK, um, that were we all stayed together. We had a core. Um, team that stayed together and then we also took the, te- the, the team from Culver City. Mm-hmm. We took the guys from their team, Sergio, Adon, Brian Minor, like we took all those guys and we put them on the same team at the high school. We all went so, to the same so where, high school. Yeah, where did you go to high school and so what we was went that to experience? West, West, Westchester High School. Oh, it was amazing. It's by the beach. It's cool. All the pretty girls. Light skin, long hair, whatever kind of flavor you wanted, they had them. Um, but no, we had a good time in high school. I personally had a great time. I don't, you know, had different experiences, but like I, I try to stay um pretty solid and and focused on baseball the whole time. Um, yes, we, you know, like I said, you have your little high school girlfriends, you do that, but at the end of the day, the most important thing were, to me was baseball. So, so, so talk to me about that because this is when baseball is getting real serious yeah, now. It got like, real, real serious. You, yeah. you, you know, you're you're in high school now. Now you're yeah. probably start if you have showed this talent the whole way around. 
now you're starting to get looked at about a decision, whether you're going to go to college, whether you're going to get drafted. All of this is happening. (laughs) You're you're playing like it's got to be like I said, but you're playing. And and I mean, I'm assuming an environment that is uh, if your team kind of stayed together. Was was yeah. that an anomaly, or was so, that, or, or did your region have just a lot of black baseball? Because this is yeah, not normal, no, I mean, Brandon. This is not no, no. We had we had like so. Our, our like I said, we wouldn't have kept our core together. It would have been whatever it was going to be, and you know. But we had a good group of guys that that wanted to play together, and like I said, we befriended some of the other guys as young men. This is before travel ball and all that. We didn't really do the. Hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, travel, travel. This is yeah, this yeah, was yeah. your season. Just, was this high we school went from season? literally, yeah, we went to little league to high school, and we took That's our friends cool. with us, and we, wow. we, we created a team, and and we like the freshman year, I played JV, right, and everybody else, like a couple of other guys, played varsity. You were, were you and, salt? Were you, you bitter? Know, were you salty? No, I wasn't. Though I wasn't. I knew ninth grade was just you know to get your feet wet, <laughs> no, but you know big. who else was on my. T- who got, go ahead. Who else was on my team was Victor Butler. You know that they yeah. helped with the yeah. Players Alliance. Yeah. yeah. So Vic Vic was a sophomore. He played JV. We didn't care. We how, just wanted how, to get the reps. How big were you at this time? Because uh, I was tiny. Was. I was tiny. <laughs> I mean five, five. So ninth grade, I was five, five, <laughs> probably like a hundred pounds. Okay. Okay. But so I, let, I, was, I was second, second on the team and hit. I was second on the team and hit. <laughs> Me and Vic. Vic was number one on that. Was team. he really? Oh yeah, Vic. Vic is a dog, man. That's my my brother. We've been playing together. He he played a sportsman too. He just was a little older than me, so he didn't get to play on the All Star with us. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So take again. High school now. It's getting serious. Y'all had the had the uh, the team stay together freshman year. You played JV, yeah. but apparent. I mean, clearly, you started to really turn the yeah. corner in high school and get a lot of looks. Yeah. And and so, so when did it? When did it turn for you in high school where it was like, oh, this is – I'm going to have to start really making some some decisions here. Yeah, so I I will be honest. Um, first couple of years I didn't hit a home – a lot of home runs because that was – I just wanted to put the ball in play and just, you know, hit the ball. So um, as I'm going into my junior year, I met – my dad introduced me to a man, a great man by the name of Al Cowens. Rest in peace. Um, he's a former big league, major league player. And Al took a liking to me. He he was doing some scouting with the uh, Royals, I believe. But he just was a good guy. He, he would go to the cage with me, and he was teaching me how to get a little power. So we would just go work at the cage. And so Al was like, all right, Brandon, we got the area codes coming up. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go try out with the Dodgers um, scout team or whatever. So I go try out. They said, if we don't call your name, you didn't make the team, you know, and it was one of those deals. So I didn't hear my name. And I was like, oh, I never been cut or I never not made a team I went out for. So I, it was a little weird to me. But I just was like, yeah, I, I was like, you could play on my team regardless. So don't worry about it, you know. So I was like, all right, I'll just play with that team. They called me back and said, Brandon, there's been a mistake. We we accidentally didn't call your name. And I was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. I'm with Al, you know, I'm with the, the Royals anyway. So I go to this area code and this is going, I think this is going into my senior year, mm-hmm. um, the summer of the senior year. Yeah, before I was a senior. And I go to the showcase and it's Josh Beckett, Josh Hamilton. I mean, I found out later Pujols was on my team. I didn't even know. I, or I heard a rumor Pujols was on my team. I didn't, I don't, I still haven't fact checked it. But okay. I believe okay. that. They did. They, they somebody showed me a, a brochure that said Howard Pujols, and I was like, I do wow. remember a big dude at first base, you know. But whatever, I don't know. So long story short, I um, 
I, I did pretty good at this showcase. I ran a good um, 60 time, had some hits and stuff like that. But up until this point, a couple, you know, scout cars at a game. But when I tell you, I mean, the, the showcase was on like a Friday or a Thursday. By Monday, my house was flooded. I couldn't believe it. That was scary. Like, it was so many college. Um, Arizona State, I believe, was my first offer. They sent me something to fill out this whatever I had to fill out. I mean, it, it kept Tulane. I mean, every baseball D1 school, all these scouts in baseball, and my first game in high school, by that, by the time that happened, my first game in high school, I mean, it was like coming to see, you know, Kobe Bryant when he first started or Ken Griffey. It was it was mm. scouts everywhere. Our team was pretty stacked, so we had a, a good, you know, group of guys and everybody was getting scouted and for college recruited. So it was it was pretty cool. And um I just know that the area code games really, really put me on the map as far as getting to the next level. So that was fun. And and we had to take meetings and talk to different scouts and they asked my dad, uh with me, my mom, my dad, my brothers were sitting in the in the room and they go, So how much is your son worth? And my dad said, My son? He worth a million dollars. Easy. Right. And my slot, you know, I was supposed to go like six to tenth round or something like that. Okay. That was what I projected. So when they said that, it scared the guy from the Diamondbacks away. But my dad said, Man, my son's gonna hit. He's gonna run. He's gonna throw. He's gonna field. He's gonna do everything and outplay anybody you put him in the room with. And the guy said, Wow, that's bold for you to say. My dad said, Well, I just believe it. I know what my son can do. So it was pretty funny, but it, it ended up being true because every person that I played against, I could just, you know, I knew how to get, I knew how to play. So it just, my dad believed in me. So, yeah. So now it comes down to, did you did you make a college decision or a draft decision? What Talk, talk to me about, I love draft stories. I love okay. kind of this, this decision-making process because people forget you're making this decision and you're 17, yeah. 18 years old. Yeah. So what did it come down for you? Did you have a college? Did you have draft interest? What, where was it for you? Um, so I, I, I worked out at a school that's right down the street from Westchester. It's called Loyola Marymount University. Bo um, Kimball Hank Gathers? Yes, all those guys, <laughs> yep. And it was a good a good coach there by the name of Frank Cruz, and he let me use the facility just to, you know, hit on the cage and stuff like that. Um, he He told me, he said, look, Brandon, you know you can come here. Yeah, you you got this. This is this is you know here. I got a scholarship for you. You know we offer it. He said, but you're gonna get drafted, and, and you know you're gonna go and have a, a great career and go play some baseball in the pros. And I was like, I, I I believe you, Frank, because I'm not a school guy. I didn't mind school, but I wasn't. That wasn't my thing. So when I um I heard, I talked to Frank and I had the scholarship to go to LMU. That was my my commitment, and then. But I told all the, the scouts I wanted to go play pro. Like, uh-huh. I, I wanted to get in there and get adjusted, acclimated to everything. I was 17. Like you said, I was a little younger. Now they do hold bags and stuff like that. Um, but I was 17, and I, you know, ended up getting drafted. So now what was that? Talk, take me through that experience. Because baseball yeah. draft, people think draft, and they'll think football, or they'll think in, a, in NBA and something like that. But baseball drafts take forever. There's a whole bunch yeah. of negotiations. There's a whole bunch of like, if this happens, this happens. Take me through your draft experience. What was it like? Who called your name, and when did they call? So I, I'll take it back just a little bit, so I can yeah. give you some, some, you know, history on it. So remember, I was telling you we didn't do like the 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 travel ball and yep. stuff like that, like they do now. Yep. 
Well, one of the, in my senior year, um, well, right before that same summer, in my junior year, one of my friends from that Culver City team, his name is Brian Miner. He goes, "Hey, B, come play with me on this team or whatever." And I'm like, "All right, I like to play baseball." So they had a little travel team. So I go play. They know I'm a, a pretty good second baseman at the time, middle infielder, and they go, "Hey, can you play outfield for us? We already got a second baseman." I'm like, I don't care as long as I get to hit. So they hit a ball. It was a night game. I'll never forget it. They hit a ball down the left field line. And when they hit the ball, me being an infielder, I don't really know the angles and, you know, how to get to I just know, see the ball, go get it. So they hit the ball, a foul ball, and I ran as fast as I could. And the ball was like 20 rows up. But I ran as fast as I could to the gate and just looked it into the, fans, the stands. And then I ran back. I jogged back. After the game, a guy named Mark Baca comes up to me and he gives me a card. He says, hey, man, I'm with the Expos. You know, just, you know, nice to meet you. That's it. So fast forward to when I'm getting, you know, about to get drafted and stuff like that. I get a call from a family member and and they're like, hey, man, I love you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what's going on? He's like, I love you, man. You you did it. And I'm like, what, what happened? Where am I going? And he's like, you got drafted in the ninth round to the Montreal Expos. And I was like, I don't even know where that is, but I don't care. Like, I'm. But you were you weren't you weren't tracking it. You somebody called you? No, no, somebody called me. They called the home phone. We didn't have a cell right. phone really. Right. Just I I did I had a cell phone, but I, I wasn't supposed to have a phone at school. Yeah. I don't know. It was like it was not supposed to happen. But, the way but it, it wasn't kinda, like you were watching. Like you were like you do. No, there is no watching. I didn't right. know where to watch. Right. It was just they, coming. They're gonna call you when something happens. So they called ah. home the home number, and that's who was at home. You know, and he, that's crazy. He, he told me. So, yeah, I didn't even know what was going on. I just was happy to to hear that I got drafted in the ninth round. Didn't care about the money. Didn't care about anything. I was just excited. And it's funny that the next day I talked to my scout that day, Mark Baca, and he goes, we're going to draft. Should I draft your, your best friend? His name was Jerry Alexander. He played the same school, sportsman all the way up, you know, through high school. We played together. Best friend. They drafted him the next day. Nice. So, so cool, like, and we 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 did there quit school that day when he got. I was drafted, about to say, we how do you even finish? How do you focus yeah. on finishing and getting a degree when you know you you're gone? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't really a much <laughs> school left, but right. you know, we we knew we just had. To, but he he didn't end up going to play professional. He ended up going and try to do draft and follow, and it didn't work out. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool to just share that moment with him. We both got drafted to the same team. You know, and 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 it's, it's, that's hard to do. Nobody else got drafted on the team. That's crazy. So let's let's even take it a step further because we could do this all day. But I definitely want to yeah. get to um, your experience in, in in professional baseball, working your way up, um, mm-hmm. adjustments, and the things that you had yeah. to make to be the player that you were. And a lot of folks uh, don't fully understand your pedigree. And what I mean by that is. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it 2016 when you were on the Washington Nationals yeah. opening day roster? So, what? so I was. So the the thing is, when I made my debut, in 05, that was the first 05. year that the Washington Nationals were the Washington Washington Nationals. Nationals. We had just yeah, we switched over from the Montreal Expos that that year. Major League Baseball um, took care of us. Frank Robinson was our manager. Um, Crazy. It, yeah, it was. So that year, it was a a crazy year for me because, you know, the year before I actually played on AAA, I was 21 years old, and I had 291. I was the youngest kid on the team. Patrick Mahomes, I met Patrick Mahomes Jr. Um, that year because his dad was 
you know, towards the end of his career, Mr. Mahomey, right? Like, that's what we called him. Okay. Like, he was a yeah, he was a pitcher on that team. He brought his son out. Like it was pretty cool, like to, to hang out. But um, he was the veteran guy on the on our AAA team, right? For me. Um, but the next year they took me off the forty man roster and sent me back to Double A, which I had already broke the record for hits in the season. Right, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna yeah, get to that. I'm history. getting into no, it. No, we're not gonna get it. Yeah, we're gonna okay, get okay, into okay, it. Okay, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Tell the story, but I want to. I'm gonna get into the hidden streak, but to keep keep telling the story. No, no, it wasn't the hidden streak. No, no, that I was, was just saying. Oh, oh, that was that's the year. Okay. No, that was just a year in Double A. I had 180 okay. hits. I broke their record. Oh, but crazy! I'm saying that to say they took me off the roster and sent me back to Double A after I had a good year in Triple A. Okay, so I was mad coming into that 2005 Heated. season. Heated. I hey, I, I didn't even want to be in Double A. I had already proved that I was right. a good good enough to be in Triple A, but they had too many guys and I got the bump. So that year I started out a little slow in Double A, but somebody got hurt in Triple A and they made a trade. No, they got made a trade and I got bumped up to Triple A. From the point I went up in AAA, it was like the beginning of May, to I got caught up in July. I hit 395 or something. Wow. I didn't get out. I was just – because yeah. I felt like I was back where I needed to be at least, and I, I didn't deserve what I got. So I took it out on them. And, I I mean, I was hitting 391. They called me up when I – finally, I finally got caught up, you know, later on that year, and that's when I made my debut. So And that was in uh, – I was in New Orleans that year. So I went to Houston and – Rest of the history, get a home run in the first game, and that was so you had a home run in your in your debut. Yeah, right. And it was was but was that was that opening day or no? That was not opening day. No, no, no. Okay. That wasn't that wasn't was, the year I made the team out of camp. That was in August. Um, okay, like two thousand five. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. let's talk about basically your experience because you you tracked it, and you know you 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 breaking records in the minors. Like hits records, you know, said average. Everybody down, if they do their research, will know that you owned an outrageous triple A hitting streak, a broker broke a record there as well. Um, and then you know, you get the call, man. You you're up, you're in the Washington Nationals organization, you're playing for the Washington Nationals. Just that moment. What did you feel? Because there was a lot to get there, and we're we're not gonna be able to get through all of it. Yeah, yeah. Was, was it was I mean, it accomplishment or was it like about time relief? Yeah. What was it so, like when you really started playing in the major leagues? So when you think about like life and all the steps you take, when you get that call, you think about every step you had to take to get there. Right. Absolutely. So you think about literally, you think about your friends that were playing with you that don't play anymore, that are in gangs that are shooting everywhere, you know, drinking every night, smoking. Like you think about all the hard work that you, you know, maybe you, you could have did some of those things and indulged in, but you didn't. You stay well, I'm not saying everybody did, but I didn't. You know, I stayed focused on what I my goal in life was to make it to the major leagues. Got videos of me said I want to play baseball on TV. You can hear my grandma, she'll tell you. So when I got the call, it was it was like a, a sense of like finally it was relief, but it was also like, man, they don't know what they just did. Cause I'm 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 a monster. I'm gonna go up there and do my thing, you know, and, and it's so political in baseball. And in life, but mm -hmm. in baseball, so political. Um, I took the long way in a sense of I did every level. Mm -hmm. I went to every level, every level you can go to. You know, every I never got moved up and skipped and all that. It was always like Brandon. I don't know if he's gonna do it at this level. I don't know it because you know, I wasn't the prototypical player. They call me Ichi Bro. You know Ichi Bro. Call me Ichi Bro. 
because I can do things like Ichiro. We, we were like the same kind of guy. But um, so those things like that, you know, kind of when I got that car, I just, I just, you know, I, I was excited. I was happy. I was even, it was even funnier that I had to play the game after I got caught up. <laughs> so I had to play in the game. Uh, so quickly, they, quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had no, yeah. they had to play. I had to finish that game. I mean, yeah. I had to play. I, I learned before the game, so I had to be yeah. careful not to get hurt. But because we had a day off for the next day. But um, yeah. So it was a great feeling. I mean, my family was excited. I was excited, and then to actually go out, hit a double, and then hit a home run. It just, I mean, the whole world like really stopped. It was the most amazing feeling in the world, running around the bases in Houston with the killer bees and you know everybody sitting there and looking at me do my thing so let's talk about you you mentioned it and we alluded to it as well you had to go through you had to take the long way you had to go through Mm -hmm. every route to get to the pinnacle of playing major league baseball um in that sense you had to go through a lot of challenges to get Mm -hmm. to the major league level yeah what would you say Looking back on it now, what would you say was the biggest obstacles you had to face? What were the biggest challenges? And how did you go about, you know, kind of persevering, going through them, battling when it, it seemed kind of kind of difficult to battle? Yeah, I mean, like my dad and taking us places early and traveling and going to Super Bowls and All-Star Weekends, it plays a part, you know, and being around these guys, like I said earlier, when you're in the room, and you, you don't feel like you're somewhere you're not supposed to be, that's that's what makes it easier to understand and, and, and figure out a way to get out of whatever headspace you're in. So for me, it was the hardest part was the first time I left home. And I, I made sure that I left in July, which is 4th of July. I went um, July 5th was my day to leave after a big party send off um, for July 4th. And I just remember getting on the plane by myself. You know, I had so much family and support, but I was by myself. So that night and the next day, I mean, we wake up at five in the morning in rookie ball and you got all these Latins and you got to take showers. You know, you gotta, I'm like, I don't want to take showers with dudes. What kind of stuff is this, right? Me and Brandon Phillips, we used to run to the car. We, we used to push yours on. We were like, we're not taking no showers. Um but then they said they would find us. So you got you had to take it as a business. With all that said, it was just, that was the hardest part for me. After I got past the, the initial, which Mo Blakeney, one of my coaches that was recently um, released, was one of the coaches. He helped us tremendously. He was a, a brother and he was in our same position at some point in his career. And now he was a little older, but he made it fun for us. You know what I'm saying? And And that's what I think is hard for some of these guys nowadays it's not fun. Like it's actually a real job. And if you let it become a real job, then, you know, a lot of people just don't care anymore. They take the money and they just hang it up because it is not easy. It's not fun. and It's not easy unless you make it that way. And you let it just be more of a game instead of a business, because there will be a point when it is a business, but the longer you can just keep having fun, it's a grind. So I think that was the hardest part, like going through the minors and stuff and, bus trips and waking up and playing like people don't realize how hard it is really they just see major leagues and they think it's like basketball and you get drafted and you're in the nba or football you're in the nfl no baseball you got to go through it and if you don't have it like here and in your heart to know that you can get through anything it's a, it, it can test you you can you know 
finish. So I, I feel like that was the hardest part. You mentioned the coach that helped you out. Who were some of the other, especially as a young black player? Was there other kind of veteran black black players? You mentioned Pat Mahomes being the veteran on your mm-hmm. on your AAA team. Were there were there players that took you under 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 their wing? Obviously, you had some support with your your yeah. with Daryl Strawberry and Eric Davis and those guys. But mm-hmm. while you were playing, were there veteran players that said, "Come on, come on, be Watlets. Yeah. Let me let me I mean, let me was- give you the game." It's tough because at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta draw the people on your team for the most part. Like you said, I had Daryl Strong and Eric Davis. They're legends. They took care of me since I was a kid. They continue Eric Davis. My first spring training, let me come over to the Cardinals. Um, we shared a facility with the Cardinals and the Expos, and I met Mark McGuire and Willie McGee and got bats and batting. I was the only person on the Vermont Expos with red batting gloves, you know, <laughs> like because Ed let me go to their locker room and get whatever I needed for the season. Um, but no, I mean, it's a, it's a great question because at the end of the day, you have what you have and and my resources for our teams, it wasn't very many brothers, you know, on the teams, it was a few. And if you didn't click with them, you didn't click with them. But, you know, for the most part, you just would be around. We had, um, Tremel Sledge was really cool, but he was a younger dude trying to make it. You know, we had a lot of younger guys with the Expos. It was Rondell White was a, a, a brother on the Expos, but, I wasn't to the level yet to to be able to mix it up with Rondell and those guys when I was younger. You know, I talked to him. Royce Clayton was a big help when mm-hmm. when the Nationals came, and he was from LA, so we we knew each other. Um, who else? We had Pat Mahomes. I had uh, Ron Calloway was cool. He was a brother that was like up and down with Triple A in the major leagues. Um, so he helped me through my minor league career. I had two dudes that was real cool. They was only two years older than me, but a guy by the name of um. Uh, Pittman and Tootie Myers. They were some country mm-hmm. dudes from like New Orleans and, and Mississippi, but they would go out every night and they would make me go with them. Even when I was in rookie ball, I wasn't supposed to go out, but we went out and they would get to sleep all day, but I had to be up at six in the morning. Right. But we had good times and they, they helped me and Brandon Phillips. We, we, we were on a journey together. So it was, it was some guys that uh, along the way that, that helped me, but I didn't have too many brothers on my teams. Demetri Young was big too. When you look back on it now, and if there's something that you would say, like, obviously, careers go the way they go, um, you know, things things happen the way they happen in regards to, to careers and professionalism. But if you look back on it now, is there things that you would say to yourself, like, oh, man, I wish I had tweaked this or done this differently? Or do you just feel as if it's like... Hey, look! I gave it. You know, I gave the game yeah. the very best I could give yeah, it. Yeah. In circumstance, like things out of my control, made yeah. made my career what it was. In regards to the professionals, obviously you had a stellar professional baseball career, but I'm talking about like major leagues. You look at it and yeah. say, "Oh man, these are things that could have been done differently or not." Yeah, I mean, you always think that um, I'm okay with what happened in my career in the sense of I I did what I did. And I, 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 that's why I get a lot of respect. I feel I feel like I get a lot of respect by my um, peers because of the career I had. And, you know, you get your respect from the people that are going through it with you and they see what kind of person you are, what kind of player you are. You know, they know it's not a fluke, but you keep on proving people wrong. And that I think that was the biggest thing for me was like every time I did something, people always say, oh, it's just because of this or, oh, it's just because of that. Instead of just giving my props, even my 43-game hitting streak. 43 games. My, yeah, after the debut, after everything, I go back to the minors 
and I got released in spring training. I've never been released. I didn't understand it. It was unbelievable. I, I was like, what? So I get released, and then I get picked up by the same team, the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, from that point, I just – I'm mad. I'm, I'm, I go off, and I really hit in 52 out of 53 games that year. The 43 games. Mm-hmm. I had a nine-game history before that. But even before that, I mean, I get caught up after that hitting streak. The next day, it's over. And our GM's in the paper saying, uh, don't get excited. It's just in AAA. <laughs> so I told him in the paper, tell your son to try it in Little League. Right. Don't discredit me. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. what I had to deal with. But by that point, I was already established as who I was, and I was mm-hmm. – tired of biting my tongue and just doing what they asked me to do. I was like, no, man, you're not going to just diss me. Like that's a 43 I mean, I have games. A right to say, yeah. After, yeah. after anything I've done in my career, like I, I didn't hit broke every record, every level, every time I got caught up, it was because I did something special. You know what I'm saying? So when I got up, yeah, I got off to a slow start. I'm 21, 22 years old in the major leagues, batting lead off is a lot. Yeah, I did good in my first game. And the next few games I didn't, mm-hmm. they sent me out. Next time I come up, I only got, 10 at-bats the whole month of September, but we were in a playoff race. It's fine. Huh? Next year, you say, all right, Brandon, if you don't win a starting position, you're not going to make it out of spring training. All right, who are we going against? Go against anybody. I led the team in average that spring, stolen bases. I did everything I could do. Get on the team, they give you three or four or five games, whatever. That's not a, you know, you mm-hmm. play for two months to get more than five games. To, you, know, you face Glavin, Pedro, uh, Oswald. You know what I'm saying? Those guys yep. are... Favorite, yeah. So, so if you're telling me I can't, you know, take a couple of days to get my bearings together, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, in the major league starting center fielder on opening day, and, you know, that that happened, then the next time I was caught up was the, the hit streak, and then after that, they sent me out after I was doing well. I never saw it again, you know, and it, it, it just, like Frank Robinson told me on, on that one opening day, hey, enjoy this, because you just never know. You This you might be the know. only one. And I never, I never got another... Yeah, I never got another opening day. But like I said, everything I did, I, I stand on it. And, I mean, it got to the point where I hit two cycles. two I hit for two cycles in two or three days apart. I was 16 for 19, and I got benched. <laughs> now, again, the, so, it's, <laughs> and, and, and so for people that don't know, and I know this, that's why I, I, I want to be real uh, mindful and careful. Be, and I say mm-hmm. that with all due respect. Because these are things that you don't see often in regards to somebody that had proven it at every level and then never really got that the the opportunity, if you will, to stick. And and, and so I look back on and say, man, was it because it was a ninth round draft? It wasn't like had this been a first round draft pick situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Or we hear this all the time. Had it been. Something I I just finished reading um Howard Bryan's book on Ricky Henderson. And yeah. if it hadn't been for this scout and this coach literally saying, nah, nah, Ricky's your guy. Because a lot of people yeah. at first didn't look at Ricky Henderson. They didn't, yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah, understand yeah. it, right? But they yeah. he had the one or two advocates that changed the trajectory of a Hall of Fame career. And so I, I I'm always careful and I want to be because it's like yo B Watt did it at every and everybody knows you you actually were very kind when you say you're uh very professional as well when you say like oh my peers know everybody I talk to is like yeah. nah this dude it, it it was different it was different yeah. and so I'm always just trying to to figure out like did you identify a situation where I was like 
man, you know, if I just had this this person in my corner, it would have been different. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like you really sit there and you you try you, you almost like I said, you can go crazy trying to figure yeah. out what do you need. Right. To, what do so, you need to no, do? No, like, you're what? you're very okay, well adjusted. I, yeah, very... like I'm, I'm I'm like at this point, I'm sixteen for nineteen or twenty, right. whatever it was. I I got. Four for five, five for five, and I know this is not normal. And this is at the triple A level, and I'm trying to make it back to the majors, right? But it, it, when he told me, you know, my coach was Brett Butler at the time, and I, I don't blame Brett. I don't think it was his fault. But when he told me, oh yeah, you're going to take a seat today because we're doing a rotation, I said, but and I asked him, I said, listen, or I told him, I said, listen, if I was the man that needed to sit down and let somebody else that is doing this. Think of somebody else is doing this, right? Amazing, like home runs and everything. So it's not just all bunts and base hits. It's, I mean, homers, triples, doubles, anything you could think of. I would then raise my hand and say, look, I know it's my day today to play, but this guy has to be in the lineup, whoever has to sit. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, no, nobody stood up, nobody did nothing. I mean, it's, it was almost borderline, like, come on, man. So yeah. at this point, I knew that there was nothing that I could do to change the narrative or whatever that I don't know what to do at this point because I'm like, dude, I'm getting benched and I'm in the hottest streak of my life since I was in high school when I got 15 straight hits. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm making everybody look crazy and I can't even get out there to play. So that's kind and of what would happen over and over for me. And that was just the last, like, that was my last year um, playing professional. I mean, playing, you know, I so, wouldn't play indie ball. So year. when it was all said and done, how many, how many professional seasons do you have under your cap? Um, I think I ended with like 11, 10 or 11. My last year was 2010. Um, I played with the Newark Bears one year just just to kind of play. Um, I didn't like the way it ended in 2009 and 10 with the spring training releases and went to the Whites, the Cubs, and they said, well, you got a chance to make the team, and I hit like five, 600 and just was balling, and, and then they released me, and I was like, well, I never had a chance to make the team because – you know, like that just doesn't make no sense. That doesn't but, make any sense. Yeah, I, I there was nobody nowhere near doing what I was doing, and and I wasn't just doing it for spring training. I would actually do it in the season too. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it was what it was. I walked away happy. I told him when I left, though, you're gonna see me on TV more than you see more than Little Wayne was doing a lot of mixtapes. And I remember walking out the <laughs> locker room and I said, "Well, y'all don't want me to do it, man. I'll go be on TV every week. I don't care." And I I, I stuck to that. So the last. 20 years, 15 years, I've been on TV. Every time they look on TV, you'll see my face, regardless. <laughs> so, and you and you mentioned, and, and we got, I got, I got, we're going to end on some fun stuff. But you did mention, you know, being involved with the Players Alliance, and that kind of helped you get back into the game. You kind of after yeah, you sure. st- walked away from the game, uh, you took some time off. When you now reflect, obviously you're in a good place now. You are on TV every week. Good I Lord, am. have mercy, be <laughs> You're on TV all the time, but. Did you need that time away from the game to really get yourself together about like, you know what I mean? Like now we're talking about it and it definitely seems like, you know, even from little league to high school to pros, it's all, it's all good. But did you need that time kind of your immediate time away from the game to really adjust, re-collaborate if you will? I'll be honest, Chiefs. I'm a pretty easy going guy. I'm very Mm. competitive. Um, I'm very positive. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, they they told me I wasn't passionate enough because when I struck out, I didn't throw my equipment. I didn't show that I was mad. And I said, well, how come I couldn't just be the guy that just feels like at the end of the day, I'm going to be three for 10 because that's what my 
stats say, and that's what my heart tells me I can do is get a hit three out of 10 times. And I said, I just was a positive person. So I didn't want to waste energy in throwing stuff. I wanted to be positive, but their narrative on me was I wasn't passionate enough about the game as far as when I, when I didn't succeed. And I said, that's not fair. You know, <laughs> that's, that's mm. not cool. But um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't take anything like that I did in baseball. I never was kicked out of a game. I've never been arrested. I've never been – I never even had detention. So you can't tell me I wasn't a good guy to people. Mm-hmm. My teammates – most of my teammates like me. Some people might not uh, understand my vibe. You know what I'm saying? And that's just life. I don't think everybody understands your <laughs> that, vibe, Chief. That, but not every, you not, every, you know not saying, everybody right? is for everyone. Is. Right, right. But I think most of my teammates, you know, no matter race, color, creed, whatever it is, they understood me and they, they like me and they just let me do my thing, you know. And that's, that's kind of what – life is about like letting people do their thing i wasn't disrespectful to nobody i i don't you know what i mean i don't yeah, i don't know what i could have did different but i think i'm okay with it because i did what i wanted to do and i was happy with the way my career panned out because i did make it to the highest level which right. a lot the, of my the one did. the one percent right you're the yeah, you're the one so, percent of the globe yeah, the world so i mean i i definitely would have liked to have the the Hall of Fame career or even the luxurious 10-year career that all some of my other guys got. But they got it, and I'm happy for them. I'll never be um, not happy for somebody that made it big time and did their thing. I, I'm not tripping at all. I'm I'm happy for the people that did it, and I'm happy for myself because of the way I did it. And I never lost myself in the, in the you know, the journey. I just – Rode the highs, I rode the lows. I was always even keel. I talk, I, I do talk smack sometimes. You know, I, I, I'm not afraid of that. Like we can talk however you want to <laughs> no, talk. You know, note to self: do not play spades with B Watts. It's gonna no, be a problem. No, yeah, it's don't problem. do that. Don't no basketball, <laughs> no, no men's league, or nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. Hey, let's have some but, fun. Yeah. Let's shake it out. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire stuff that that I usually ask every guest on the Black Baseball mixtape. You mentioned a lot of players. I think I know where you're going to go with this. Who was your absolute favorite player? Who were your guys growing up? Uh, Eric Davis, Kenny Lofton. The obvious. Daryl Strawberry. Um, I liked Barry Larkin, Ozzie Smith. Tony Gwynn was my guy. He 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 was he was like one of the best, well, the best hitter ever to me. He, he just he he reminded me of myself. So Tony Gwynn was very high on the list. Um, and then I mean. Barry Bonds. Hold on one second. Got a call. Sorry. No, you good. Barry, Barry Bonds was a, watching him take batting practice in, uh, where was that? Oh, in Washington at, mm-hmm. at RFK when he was hitting the ball way up there. Those are kind of like the, the, the handful of guys that I I like to watch. When was the, the moment? Now, you, again, you grew up around a lot of players, so this may be different for you. But when was that moment where you realized, like, Yo, I'm in the like, I'm in the pros. This is different. Like, was there a moment where, uh, you saw someone, and you were like, in awe? I wasn't ever in awe because of my childhood, right? Mm. But, but I will say, um, the moment that I felt like I really was like, wow, this is crazy, is when I was in the outfield of my my debut, and they were chatting Biggio. And I started chanting <laughs> with him <laughs> on accident. <laughs> we were on the road, and I was like, "What are you That's doing?" Hilarious. I was like, "But that was like kind of when I felt like, whoa, 
I really made it. You know, this is a great moment. If you could face any pitcher throughout history, so you faced a lot of pitchers, but if you mm-hmm. could face any pitcher living or dead, it could be somebody you already faced, but who yeah. would you want to dig in against? Who would you like to see one time at your best? I think Satchel Page. Mm-hmm. I think because I, I, I don't know, like when you say that one time, you know, you hear how nasty these guys are. And back in the day, like, you know, they did this, they did that. And, and you don't know. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. try. I would want to try out against Satchel to see how he compares to the guys now. I love that answer. And I love baseball for that reason. Because, mm-hmm. like, everybody knows, like, you know, I don't know, some really, really great, like, George Mike in, in basketball, yeah. he's not going to do anything yeah. with Shaq. Like, Shaq is it's just a different <laughs> – like, yeah. no, I mean, but it's just a different level yeah. of basketball. They were yeah, basically yeah, playing yeah, a yeah. different game. So it's yeah. like, you know, as great as, like, you know, Bob Cousy was, he's not going to do anything with LeBron. We Like, we know that. Yeah, but in we, baseball, yeah. this is why I love baseball, because – Satchel Page is still going to be Satchel Page. Yeah. I, and I if you so. face a Bob Gibson would still be Bob Gibson. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dave Stewart's going to be Dave Stewart. So if you face those guys, and no matter what generation, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, going to yeah, be, be tough. tough yeah. Who was the yeah, uh, tough? Who was the toughest pitcher you faced while you were playing? <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to say, but I, I can say it's funny that um, – a quick story, but Billy Wagner was pretty tough. I was sitting on Virginia the bench. Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah, I was, I was sitting on the bench, and Frank Robinson's like, "I'm gonna give you some at bats." I'm like, "All right, cool." He goes, <laughs> "We were losing by I don't know what what the score was." But he's like, "Get a bat." I was like, "Now?" <laughs> so the pitch before Wagner hit uh, Brad Wilkerson with a pitch that was like 99 miles per hour in his upper shoulder area. And I was like, I got to go hit now. He's like, yeah, go get that bat. I'm like, this isn't what we talked about, Frank. I swung at three pitches and sat back down like, yeah, no, no, thank you. He didn't fantastic. even know where the ball was going. I was That's scared. fantastic. <laughs> and Wagner, correct me if I'm wrong, Wagner's not a big dude, right? He's not a physical dude. No, he's, he's tiny. Yeah, but he's he tiny, just, but he was, just he heat. Oh, he was throwing hard. But, you know, you're not playing every day. Like, I was just sitting on the bench and t- throwing bubblegum, popcorn, peanut, uh, yeah. uh, policies and stuff, you know. And he told me to get it back. But that, uh, but that was pretty – he was one of the toughest. But I'll say, for real, uh, Tim Hudson was tough too. Yep. He threw he threw me in like nine pitches. I saw the game for four at-bats. He threw me nine different pitches. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, what is going on? And this is – not the early Tim Hudson, but he still was like, "How you got that many pitches to throw to one person?" Who, uh, uh, of the guys playing today, who do you? Who's your? Who stops your scroll? Who's the most? Who's the most watched player for you now? Like when when you kind of scrolling through and you see, yeah. you know, highlights from this guy or, or this person. Who do you have to watch? Well, I gotta watch Mookie Betts, man. He just. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of myself in his attitude and just, you know, he goes out there, he does his thing. But, like, the stuff he's doing is amazing. It's, it's he playing second base, shortstop, outfield. Like, give me one utility player that is, is doing what he's doing. And I wouldn't call him a utility player, but I'm just saying, nice. like, that play multiple positions and is doing what he's doing, the speed, the defense, the arm, home runs like it's just it's hard to do and he's he's out there making it look easy and he can do everything else too that makes that helps for me too he can bowl he can dunk he can play basketball he can throw a football like 
he's fantastic. He's a star. He knows he's a yeah. star, and he's starting to really come into it. If there's a baseball player for yeah. this generation, I mean, he's got the top podcast. He's got the top player podcast. Yeah, he got a podcast. Too, yeah, yeah, he's so. But 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 I will say this: last this week, very tough, heated debate on who is the NL MVP. Mookie, yeah, Mookie, or Ronald Acuna? Have you seen what Acuna's Acuna. been doing? Thirty home runs and sixty stolen bases. He's got sixty-three first, stolen bases as we speak right now. First, first player in the history of the game to do that, right? Yep. yep. Thirty and sixty. Yep. I mean, it's a tough. It's tough because Mookie had fifty-some hits in one month. Like, yeah. Oh, Mookie's like, got. Somebody, he's, he's got more home runs. I think more RBIs. Uh, yeah, higher, he's, higher WAR. He's he's doing something that's amazing. They're both. I mean, you can't go wrong. I, like I would have to dig into it a little deeper because I, you know, I, I watch games and stuff. But I mean, they're both they're both doing something that, and Shohei Tani on the other side is is nah, doing something that's amazing. You know, that is amazing. So, I mean, I think it's great for the game. And you look at that and you see the diversity. The three guys that, we, that are you know, yep. Mookie Acuna and Shohei Tani, all from different walks of life, but they're all like doing something special in the game of baseball. And I think that's what's dope about baseball. What would you like to see done if you were commissioner for a day? What would you like to see done to get more black and brown young people, more black and brown people involved in the game? Um, if I was, That's a really great question. If I was a commissioner for one day, I don't know. Mine, mine is more at the younger age, just mm-hmm. like the opportunity side of it. Um, you know, just just get these guys opportunities, man, and 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 it's just hard because you don't. They tell you that that you know we don't play. We're playing in the community, and we're and we and Players Alliance is even making it easier for these guys to come out and get a chance to play with equipment and and being there for them if they need anything. But I just think I think it's all about opportunity, man, and, and a fair shot. Like you know, you can get up, you can say, "Oh, I gave Brandon Watson an opportunity." You did, and maybe I didn't cash in it on the first time or the second time, but the third time I did. But did I get an opportunity to keep it going? No. So I think opportunity is huge for these guys that are, you know, struggling a little bit or like just just give them opportunity to to mess up and fail like you do to other players. That's all. That's, that's last last question here. Doesn't have to do with baseball. It could just be with life. Best advice you ever got. I got I got some good advice over the years, but baseball wise, and I know you said it didn't have to be, but with this black baseball mixtape, we got to keep it funky, you know. Let's do it. Let's um, do it. Just just keep breaking records. Keep mm-hmm. keep continuing. Eric Davis told me when I was young, he said, "Be the best at your position every night." He said, "You know, you don't have to tell the person you're in a competition, but in your life, if you're the best player on the field every night, or strive to be the best player, at the end of the time when it's time to say who's the best player in that league." They'll look and say, well, Brandon Watson was the best player because he did this every night, and each night you perform better than the opponent. Just keep breaking records. Keep doing something different that they will have to see you, and, and you'll be seen. Because I, I promise you I wasn't supposed to make it as far as I did. But because I kept breaking records, kept doing stuff, I've kept applying pressure because I just knew in my heart that if I keep doing this, I can I can get to the next level. If I get to the next level, I got a chance. Keep on playing hard. So at the end of the day, just keep keep breaking records and, and keep keep the pressure on them. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it there. Brandon, you've been more than generous with your time. I hope you had some fun. I really, really appreciate not just uh, all, not just the story about being on the podcast, but all that you've done 
obviously we're going to keep close tabs but man where everybody can find look they can see you on tv every week but where yeah. can they where can they follow you where they can find you where they can keep up with all yeah. things BWAT? i just got instagram man i'm simple man i'm getting older i'm trying to keep up with these uh <laughs> social media but i got instagram <laughs> and it's b watson b-w-a-t-s zero n um b watson on instagram so Follow me, man. I'm a, we're gonna bring some good fights this year and next year. We got some already in the in the pipeline, so keep an eye out for that and just keep continue to support my guy Cheats in the uh black baseball mixtapes. And we we just you know we're gonna keep it keep it going. We're gonna keep doing everything that we do. I really appreciate you, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the black baseball mixtape. Until next time, we'll see you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank B. Watt, Brandon Watson, for coming on the Black Baseball Mixtape Podcast. Please keep up with everything he's doing. I know you're going to see him at all the big fights. You're going to see him with the Players Alliance. You're going to see him all over the place, as you have for Lord knows when. But please make sure you support Brandon. Make sure you support the Players Alliance. And, of course, make sure you support the Black Baseball Mixtape. Please rate, review, subscribe, everything we're doing, and I'll catch you next time. Peace.